With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic. Joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large, but sitting across the table from her here at the IndieWire LA offices where I've been for a couple of days trying to take in everything before uh, the craziness of the, of the fall season kicks in because the next time we talk, we'll be in Telluride gasping for air in the mountains and this is our last chance to really kind of take in what we think is going to be what the fall season is going to look like and then, you know, it kind of just happens one day at a time we start to figure out, oh, this movie is like this and this movie is like that. Also, there's so. word sort of filtering out about some of the films that are going to be in Telluride which we're not allowed to know officially but the, of course people are pitching things and and we know which distributors are going and so forth and there's also word filtering in about what some of the good and bad movies are yeah i mean people people know stuff people have seen things you got to like, see marriage story yeah. which is one ago. of the big ones but other people are seeing oh, yeah. it now look too, at him look at know. him he's boasting a while ago you eric i was the first one out of the gate what yeah, can i tell boast you <laughs> a little more i mean i i, I you know they came, they brought they it went to, me. to you because <laughs> they knew you would service their needs well and and you know what if uh if i didn't like the movie i would have probably gone another way with it but Realistically speaking, I mean, Marriage Story is a movie that I think a lot of people would, no, would have expected. No, it's obviously to be a very good. strong so, entry. I, you know. I loved the trailers. Uh, I loved the brilliance of the two trailers the one from the wife's point of view, Scarlett Johansson, and the husband's point of view, Adam Driver. And there's one shot of Adam Driver looking at her and reacting to her that just killed me. Yeah, those those trailers, I was, it was really smart what they did there because obviously, you know, this is a delicate subject matter. And the question is going to be, you know, is it it's a male director who went through a divorce? Is it going to be his point of view? And actually, the movie represents both at different points in time. And so the trailer is trying to evoke that. But I think what the other thing is, of course, they they wanted somebody to see it early and sort of confirm, yes, this movie is good because it gets really competitive in the fall season. And a Noah Baumbach divorce movie isn't necessarily the best sell when you have, I don't know, whatever, Ford versus Ferrari or whatever. that's like bigger, louder, more fun. So Well, Netflix has certainly lined up uh, its ducks and we've started to figure out some things. For example, the uh, movies that are the two big players are the Irishman and Marriage Story. For now. We want to see the Dolomite movie with Eddie Murphy, which is getting good buzz, but we still have to see it. We want to see uh, the two popes from Fernando Moraes, but eh, what's that going to be? Yeah, it's not, I mean, just the title alone puts a couple people to sleep, so, you know. There was a big announcement uh, today of a movie that will not be in the award season, but which I really want to see in Toronto, which is the uh, personal life of David Copperfield, yeah. the Iannucci movie, which Fox Searchlight picked up. That was really exciting to see that, because we, we talked about it before. We wondered why and, someone yeah. hadn't, and obviously someone had. And Iannucci's so reliable, so it wasn't like it's got, it's you know, maybe it's a bad movie or something like that, and you can kind of assume there's something really fun different there, but that's a big step up, and it's also kind of a notable acquisition because it's Fox Searchlight and the whole question of how 
Disney movie or how the Disney element affects Fox Searchlight has been widely debated. Like, is Jojo Rabbit too edgy for Disney or okay, something? Okay, let's so. do this. There was a story in Variety where there was a guy un- or a woman, who knows, unattributed quote, okay, saying, well, a, from a Disney executive. Yeah, watching this saying, movie, this Hitler I don't satire. Know. This is one of those cases where Twitter is not good for something like that because everybody's oh this is a clickable thing even IndieWire ran a story yeah just I mean, running it's a, off it's of a it. notable detail in theory I the don't think is, so well the question is where you, did it you want to know why you think it's dirty campaigning no <laughs> it's <laughs> a question that? of how autonomous Fox Searchlight actually is does it matter what that Disney executive thinks of Jojo Rabbit well, we also don't know who the executive we was. don't could have been it's, the C- CFO or something no, I you're mean. right it is who <laughs> who is it so so the question is is does does uh does it have any impact at all on what Fox Searchlight which is a specialty division autonomous is going forward going to do with that movie and how it's going to be reacted to and how worthy it is of Oscars and everything else the trailer's fabulous I think the thing is nobody really knows even the people who are in disney's orbit with these different properties really know the answer to that question i'm sure fox searchlight execs don't really know how much autonomy they're gonna have they i, mean, I think they do well, i they, think they, they have, have a lot of autonomy to, to how do they how they market and distribute their movies the part where they don't have autonomy is how they get greenlit for exactly what budget. and they don't know how how much they can i think they're so gonna far have they're to getting see. what they want they're gonna have to wait we'll and see. see in that respect i mean well yeah. they have to prove themselves this past week in la which they hadn't had to do before exactly Exactly, and th- there there are some some bosses in in the upper ranks who they've never but had. Alan to Horn work is with someone before. who guess what they do, and and who seems to understand the kind of movies that they make. I'm not as worried about Searchlight, except for one thing, the world of distribution. Well, of course, the it's, theatrical it's, are they just going to dump the stuff on Disney Plus? In that little release, it said for for uh, per, for uh, the private life of David Copperfield, it said for theatrical release in 2020. I mean, when would they have ever had to say that before? Right, just so you know, we're not going the Netflix route or whatever. But no, not Netflix, Disney Plus. No, but I mean, in, or, terms or of the, Hulu. in terms of theatrical windows or whatever, we don't really know, but the, it's almost like reassuring to theater owners, like we're, we're not going to be We're going to give you something you. more. Well, not Searchlight. They're not going to. But why do they have to say that? I don't know. Yeah, I, except I, that they're going to be delivering more material to, uh, they're going to be making more content for these other outlets. I mean, just to expand the frame a little, bit this past week i went to uh an event that national geographic hosted where they screened the two short films that are going to be making the rounds at fall festivals they're, they're making a, their four away foray into so short that's films. a disney property so, now. so that's so national geographic is a part of disney but I, I you know i talked to people about it and uh nobody including the filmmaker knows if their short films are going to be on Disney+. Plus. It seems like something that would make sense, but they have no idea. They've just been working with National Geographic, and National Geographic may not know. It has its own channel. It has its own channel, but it's they will put Science Fair, which was an acquisition by Nat Geo out of Sundance, on Disney+. Plus. They already had announced that. So there is opportunities for synergy there, and what it actually means in terms of, say, you know, what a documentary film can or can't do is also an open question. What can be on Disney Plus before it's too edgy? Probably Jojo Rabbit won't be there, but We're learning more about what Disney Plus and Searchlight and Hulu and Fox, and I mean, I mean one of the movies that's coming up is uh, Ford versus Fairlane. And Fry. that, pardon? 
Ferrari. Ferrari yeah. Listen to me. Ford You're not a Fairlane. car person. It's okay. Ford Fairlane is an old movie. <laughs> That's funny. Ford Ford versus Ferrari with Matt Damon and Christian Bale from James Mangold, who's a director I like. Um, so I'm curious um, how, I mean, there's been all this talk about Fox movies doing really, Bob Iger threw Fox under the bus um, at, a, at an earnings call and just said, oh, the, all these movies failed. These were bad movies. It was know. an easy target, to be fair, because but of he, the X-Men movie bombing. Yes, the, but the, in the meantime, he's completely discounting the fact that they fired all these people, threw out the marketing people that were in a position to do a good job with their product that they had been working on for mm-hmm. a long time, and th- put the Disney people who probably didn't understand the material particularly well or care, because these are two rivals. And also, so that those movies sound I mean those movies were not good but so. they could have done better they could they, and yeah. part of what's going on is that Disney's dominating the box office to such a degree that all the competition is doing less well than they would have before Disney was dominating mm-hmm. the way yeah. it is now but there's no surprise there I mean this that is been, a surprise that but, movies would actually do less well now that Disney's in the marketplace well, That's di- a surprise. I mean, Disney has, has a, 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 practically a monopoly on the movies that people wanted to see this summer. This I summer, mean. yes. But what I'm trying to say, I, I, I think you may be missing my point. My point is that the movies that would have gone up against Disney before, before Fox was part of Disney, those movies demonstrably did w- worse than they would have done a year ago. Right. Well, they, they also, it isn't just that Disney dominated. Right. It's that Disney dominated at the expense of other movies. I guess it is a that question. That would have done the, better. That, that hypothetical, I mean, we'll never really know the answer to it. But it, but it did provide an opportunity. It's not a hypothetical. It's statistical. No, but what I'm it's saying. It's numbers. No, but the question of, of whether or not those Fox movies would have done better. You know, that's a hypothetical. The, yeah, that's but I'm it's saying. a likelihood because they would have had more committed. People it's, who wanted it's sort them of like, to succeed. Look at it another way. Like if there's a management shift. In a studio. Right. Right? If one they, team goes out and another out team comes out in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. The team that comes in tends to throw out a lot of the stuff that they inherited mm-hmm. and to discount it and to not invest in it. Right. That's what's going on at Disney yeah. and Fox. That, but, well, I mean, it doesn't, it, it should not be a surprise that they would do that, to, that they would basically be like, we yeah, don't want Yeah, but they these. shouldn't be throwing them under the bus. And, it and sets the other, a bad tone, and for it's, sure. I think so. And Emma Watts has to continue on. She has to, to run the show there. But we're getting off the topic. We well, are no, looking but at actually, the festivals. Th- there is, yeah, there's, there, this is all relevant to the festivals in the sense that you know some of these people are players at festivals and they have movies that are going to be Well, Ford vs. Ferrari is one that they're obviously invested in, but they would have to be because it has major stars in it. So you can't dump major stars. No, and and presumably the movie will be good enough to make it worthwhile. Can't wait to see I it. I mean, if it's doing all these festivals, that itself should feel like some kind of an endorsement. I mean, if it's a dud would be kind of strange for it to be positioned the way that it is. So, Eric, there was another big uh, piece of news, which is that A24 actually came up with a November date for Waves. What do you think that means? Well, that's very interesting because Waves, which I believe you kind of wrote off as an indie movie, quote unquote, in a couple of weeks ago when, when we found out it was at Toronto, it's actually a movie that, that could have some sort of surprise potential this fall. It's Trey Schultz who did Show, which which was a big sensation at South by Southwest. And then he went on to do It Comes at Night, which was a really cool kind of edgy sort of psychological horror movie. Really talented filmmaker, really into like 
atmospheric mood pieces, character studies. And this is a movie that has Sterling K. Brown. It has uh, Lucas Hedges, really interesting cast. What's um, the premise? So the premise of the movie is, is that it's this sort of um, quote-unquote epic emotional journey of this African-American family in, uh, in Florida. And uh, there's this tragic thing that happens. Um, and uh, it's not a musical, from what I understand. People thought it was a musical. There was some rumor going around that it was a musical, but it has a certain, from what I've heard, a, a kind of musicality to it. It's a very operatic piece of filmmaking. So I think the question with a movie like this is, is it a kind of a moonlight type of sensation? You know, if it goes to, I don't know if it is. Tell your right. let's say Let's say it shows up in a certain Maybe. sleepy mountain town. Uh, and um, the audience is, is sort of caught unawares by this really beautiful film. Word of mouth drives it into Toronto, and it becomes a sensation, goes into November. That could be a surprise awards phenomenon. That so. date is very significant. It means that they believe in it. A24 would never book something on that date yeah. if they didn't think They're they could get something flag. out of it. Yeah, they're planning a flag. And that's, I think, what makes this season kind of exciting. And I never wrote it off as indie. You said I indie. wrote it off as awards indie there's mm. that's two different things well i will so never question. write something off as indie well it's good that we can correct the record oh in that please <laughs> I, I mean i'm just saying you know it's not it's no ford v ferrari but you know it could be really good nor am i the apologist <laughs> for mainstream hollywood that is not the right profile right, so to suggest i belong to you've corrected the record then thank you <laughs> The other one that's a, that that is a major studio movie that's playing the festivals that's a surprise is is the Joker, going to Venice, yeah. going to Toronto, yeah, you know, pushing Joaquin Phoenix for Oscars. It's really that's an a open question. Story yeah, I mean, Venice is going to start before Telluride, and it's as far as we know, Joker is not a Telluride title. It certainly would be a, a, a surprise. <laughs> Tom Luddy it's not out over that behavior like that. usually. But, but having said that, I mean. There is this anticipation that this movie is going to play as something more than a than a quote unquote superhero movie that it has an art house appeal or a cinephile appeal or something like that. It, that, that it's going to be more of a Joaquin Phoenix showcase than anything else. And Can't so, wait. Yeah, so that'll be an interesting one to see, especially for Warner Brothers coming off of Star is Born last year, which launched pretty well in spite of the challenges that campaign faced. It did seem like the first phase of getting it out there was very well done you know, before Bradley Cooper had to go out into the world and kind of do his thing. And I think it'll be interesting with Joker to see, you know, is Joaquin Phoenix going to, to play that game as well as he needs He's to? He's capable of playing the game when he wants to. It's just a question of whether he wants to. Yeah, and if the movie is as good I as... I mean, I've had you know. good conversations with him, sure. and he's perfectly reasonable right. when he wants to be. Right, when he needs to be. When the um, job calls for it, and then so. and then the the other one that's in Venice and Toronto that I'm curious about is David Michaud's The King with Timothy Chalamet and this Shakespeare mishmash of three Henry V plays. Oh God, curious! I mean, you're really giving us the hard sell on that one. Well, <laughs> Ehrlich was hilarious. David Ehrlich, our colleague, in, in his uh, anticipation of the top films to see in Venice. Uh, made a comment about Timothy Chalamet's haircut <laughs> that was pretty funny. His stands uh, maybe facing an existential crisis <laughs> yeah. because of his bowl haircut. Well, and meanwhile, that Woody Allen movie is going to open the Deauville Film Festival. Wow. So, you know, uh, it's going to be an interesting moment for, for Timothy Chalamet and his followers in that respect. You know, was, they, they followed him through Beautiful Boy, which was a movie that got a pretty mixed response. But, you know, it's been... A little while since he really had one hit it out of the park. So, you know, he's got a couple of movies that are going to be making the rounds this fall that are kind of open questions. 
hopefully little women gives him some something nice to to stand out in but you know that's that's one that's not doing the festivals at all, so we're going to have to wait a little bit longer in, in that respect. Well, so. Amazon has a few interesting things. I believe Amazon um, has a, actually a lot. A lot. I was, really, I was going through the list uh, today, and, and not even at the top of their list at this point um, is Seaberg. Right. Which Kristen is, is coming Seaberg. out this year and is playing in Toronto. And in is Venice. and Venice and starring, uh, of course, Kristen Stewart, and it's a great story. It's a great image, the, the first image of her as Jean Seberg. You're like, yeah. well, this was the role she was born to play. Yeah, so, so. and she's on the cover of Vanity Fair and so on. I just have to see the movie yeah. before I can tell exactly what it is. It's really tough with awards wise. I mean, especially when it comes to playing somebody who's so you know this like widely beloved figure in the film world. There's a question of her performance, which. Presumably, is great because she's 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 reliable, good. But we like her. We don't know. And then there's a question of how sounds they like they're going. It. Yeah, it sounds like they're going FBI thriller on it, which could make it less. Um, it could make it more commercial. Right, but less but, appealing to the kind of Hollywood crowd per se. But Amazon is stepping up with its own awards team and its own stronger marketing uh, for this for their lineup. So I'm um, the Aeronauts is an interesting one for Amazon as they try to figure out their. Uh, future. I mean, the, it's supposedly an awards title, but it's a family adventure, very PG, and it's uh, going out for two weeks and then going on the site as as a premium uh, title. Which uh, is very confusing for a movie. It seems like it's supposed to be a big screen spectacle, kind of an IMAX experience. Exactly. You know? It should be in theaters. I, I, I don't understand why they're taking this one um, um, giving it this kind of, of treatment. I mean, they're doing the report that way also, um, which I think they'll probably hang in theaters, but the report isn't as big a spectacle as the Aeronauts is supposed to be. I think what this points to, though, is that you know, we have been kind of pointing to Netflix as this big disruptive force that's creating all this uh, trouble with the, th- the old school theatrical model and theatrical windows and, and sort of exacerbating the challenges facing exhibition by not being interested in playing ball with the game that theaters want to play. Now they're not going to be the only one playing that game. Amazon is, is doing something along these lines, and we're going to start to see more conversations about what does that really mean? Can theaters play along with sort of uh, what these companies see as more valuable to them? You know? Well, they're valuing things differently, but if they want to be in the Oscar race, it's always an open question how you play the theater game or not. And it's 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 just uh, challenging times. I mean, Apple is a whole other question. You know, yeah, as I we mean, go into Apple the fall festivals, all, they're going to be buying things. What and a big question mark They're there. supposedly, you know, <laughs> bespoke, and they're making one-on-one decisions on how they're going to release things or partner with a distributor or whatever they're going to do. And I'm fascinated to see how I, that plays I have out. I sense of, like, a bunch of evil geniuses in a room fanning the flames of, of, of rumor and, and skepticism and curiosity around what Apple is actually going to do. It seems to work for the most part in their favor because once they start doing stuff we have something tangible that we can measure right now they're just a really powerful company that hasn't made anything well they're starting yet. to announce their budget which is billions of dollars on you know on a netflix scale so they're going to start opening up the pocketbook but on the other hand i don't see matt dentler our old buddy who who is at south by and who's been at apple a long time i don't who's in acquisitions now i don't see him opening up a big pocketbook he's skeptical he's not going to overspend and that sounds like a challenge <laughs> 
<laughs> tomorrow well, we're going to read about yeah. they spent a billion dollars who's, who's on some be weird the movie. Who's going to be the new kid on the block as Amazon was last year overspending at the festival. Well, and inflating the market. I think and, and then Amazon's films failed. This is a at, whole in open summer. question, right? Yeah. Of, of the, if there are these new players who are deep pocketed, they come along and then they inflate the price tags because the sales agents who don't even care if these movies are successful but want to make money off of big deals, you know, they're, they're going to basically say, well, we're going to charge a whole lot of money for this because we know somebody out there is going to pay. And then if that person doesn't pay, nobody else is going to pay. And it kind of and if Netflix isn't over. buying as they haven't been because they've been making so many things and Amazon has been hungry, but are they still? It's a, it's going to be very interesting. Um, then then we haven't talked about Spider-Man yeah. yet. Speaking of, of, of fall festivals and the future of indie movies and all that stuff, let's talk about a giant tent pole and whether or not it gets to stay in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So there's this real interesting thing that's played out a lot on film Twitter and, and other places um, where people are really trying to read the tea leaves about this ongoing negotiation where Disney has tried to get 50% of the Spider-Man movies going forward. Marvel. Marvel. And Kevin Feige is the Marvel producer extraordinaire who's responsible for this incredible run of hits. Who? besides Walt Disney himself or John Lasseter, God forbid, has been responsible for so many movies doing so well for so long. Yeah, Thomas and, Edison would like a word. Uh, so the, <laughs> going back in time, yeah. <laughs> uh, looking in the rear view. But the point is that uh, Tom Rothman over at Sony and Alan Horn over at Disney have been negotiating this. And so far, they haven't been able to figure it out. It's, it's a real mess because when you think about it, both both sides have valid arguments. On the one hand, Spider-Man is the most iconic Marvel character. Before Iron Man surprised everyone and became this really successful movie, um, Spider Spider-Man was the biggest Marvel character, and he has been set up through the MCU to be the natural kind of uh, heir to the Tony Stark That's Iron true. Man throne. Absolutely. So it's it's just like it kind of it's this break in continuity for this giant universe they've been building. On the other side of things, you have Sony, which only needed Marvel because it, they they needed somebody to, to kind of help them get this character right. So Alan, um, so so Amy Pascal, exactly. I, Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige worked together on this last one, and Feige took a lot of credit for it, you know. And and the question is whether Alan Horn, over at Disney, was kind of like, why is Sony getting all this money for this movie that my guy? helped to yeah, make. Yeah, I mean, they loaned him out to and kind of And they have a lot of it. things for him to do. And, and, I, and, and it was I, in their interest if it was going to be a character that was going to be in their universe. I, I didn't even like Far From Home that much, I have to say, I, I, but I, but I, it still felt consistent with the Marvel aesthetic. And so I think this is a, this is a real crisis of sorts for... I liked you know, it better how, than you did. I think so. I like Tom Holland. I think I did, he's I did, really good. He is, I mean, you know, I live in Queens. There's, I know a lot of people like that guy. They, they nailed that essence of the character. But I, but I and also Zendaya think, is good. I mean, they've they've done a good job with it. For Marvel, it is an open question because they've unveiled all these in interesting next stages. Yeah. And yes, it's true that Spider Man is this major legacy character. By that same token, are, is the kind of plight, the coming of age story of a white kid uh, that you know he's perpetually coming of age. Is that still the story Marvel needs to tell as its main story when they're doing things like say the Eternals or rebooting Blade with Mahershala Ali? More more complex or at least surprising directions 
For the franchise, it may represent the future. Well, Alan Horn, it's in his interest to keep Kevin Feige focused on the MCU titles that are going to benefit Disney. And uh, that said, it seems to me they're negotiating in public. And they're going to find a way to make a deal. That was a, a throwdown. It was basically like, all right, well, we're just, it's like when David Lynch leaked that he wasn't going to do Twin Peaks with Showtime because they wouldn't give him his budget. And then we didn't hear what the budget was, but all of a sudden he was doing Twin Peaks with Showtime. I mean, it really seems like they got to figure this out. I because, think so. I mean, it just, it's, there's too much on the line in terms of what they've achieved in all these different levels. And if you lose the fans, you lose a huge portion of what's made this thing, you know, valuable in the first place. On the other hand, even though Disney is dominating the universe at this point, um, it, it, it is in Sony's interest to keep Spider-Man going and take credit for it and make it work on their own, and they can just run with what Feige helped them to get on track with. I think the thing that, that to me is really va- valuable here to point out is that you know, there's an incongruity between just how much a studio can tell a great story and what its other agenda happens to be. When two studios have to come together to tell a great story, it, there are often going to be some thornier elements about it that, that will interrupt that story. And speaking of two studios coming together, part of what's happening is that Marvel is absorbing the Fox Marvel titles, and now they have to make those work inside their universe. Yeah, how is X-Men going to Exactly. What, exactly. is, what, what does X-Men look like yeah. in the MCU? I mean, in some in some ways, you know, maybe... Which is already on its last legs. It's true. But on the other hand, if you find a new way to bring X-Men in or some of those characters, say a new Wolverine or something like that, maybe we don't need Spider-Man quite as much. But God, I have to tell you, I love going to the fall festival season when we don't have to think about this stuff nearly as much. We still have to see the Joker, <laughs> DC. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how, how long Joker gets to, to kind of be the reigning superhero movie of the moment. But for the time being and i'm just excited to uh be gasping for the air up and tell your ride with you and uh, i'll see you out there looking forward lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.